It is the 200 level episode 307, and I called this one Life is Good, and I'll tell you why that's the case. I mean, this goes beyond sports, of course. It's the holiday season. Um, Everyone's in good spirits, but really when it comes down to what we talk about in this podcast and why I would title this podcast something as simple as Life is Good... It does feel like for Illini football and basketball, we're at this point now where we can sit back and relax a little bit. We can have faith that both of them are going in the right direction. We have a football team that's going to be playing on January 2nd in Florida in what I will always refer to as the Outback Bowl. So that's one thing that I've never been able to experience, the Outback Bowl specifically, but we haven't been able to experience a warm weather, big deal bowl game for 15 years. And it feels like, well, maybe this isn't a one-shot deal, that maybe this is one of many bowl games like this coming up if we think the coach is what we think he is. At least I do. Then there's basketball. And Tuesday night was... Something else, you know, it, it was great to see the energy come back. I mean, and this is an anecdotal example of that, but we had one of the most listened to podcasts this year after, to be quite honest, a bit of a lull that started with the Michigan State loss in football and then the Purdue loss. And that, yeah, there was just this sort of doldrums that were kind of setting over things. And I was not able to podcast after the UCLA basketball win to conjure that back up. So I think that. As Illini fans, November was this moment of, hey, remember, you know, this this high that you're riding can go away very quickly. At least with football, it felt that way. And it was very grounding, very humbling, very maddening for Illini fans because we felt that way all too often. But as we sit here now in early to mid-December and the dust has settled from the football season and the basketball team now has two marquee wins and look to be ahead of schedule, it makes you think, well, wait a second. This is all we could really ask for as Illini fans. Of course, we would ask for more postseason success in basketball. I think we'll get that. Of course, we could ask for conference championships in football, and maybe we'll get that, maybe we won't. But if you were to ask me, what do you need from those respective programs, football and basketball? What I would say is, for football... Seven, eight wins a year, consistent bowl games. I think we're going to get to that. And if we aren't there already. And then for basketball, I would say consistently competing for the Big Ten and every three, four years making a second weekend deep tournament run. And I think we're there too. Now, there will be disappointments along the way. There's going to be games where you shake your head and there's going to be extended stretches maybe where you even think, well, what the hell? Just when I thought we were there, the rug gets pulled out from under us. But as I sit here on December 8th, 2022, and having the gall to entitle an episode, Life is Good, it is because both of these revenue sports are in a place where I just feel confident they will stay there. Basketball and what we saw Tuesday night, and after we get the sponsors, we're really going to hit that game. I planned on this being like a bowl spectacular, really focusing on the ReliQuest Bowl, because I had not done one back on Sunday when that was announced. And we'll get to that later in the pod, but when you win against number two in the nation and you do so with most of the college basketball landscape watching you, whether it be the big wigs in the basketball media that were at Madison Square Garden, 
or just the casual fans that were watching the Jimmy V Classic, which is like a December tradition now. You made some noise. And then with football, you start to see that during the transfer portal process and the coaching carousel, not to say that that's done as it relates to Illinois, but you start to feel more comfortable with where you're at. I mean, to take an example, Jeff Brom goes to Louisville, and that makes a lot of sense. He's a Louisville guy through and through, and this was bound to happen at some point. He took Purdue as far as they could. But even though Purdue beat Illinois and they went to the Big Ten Championship, who would you rather be a fan of right now? And easy for me to say with my orange-colored glasses, but I would rather be a fan of Illinois football because they have a coach that looks to be here for the long haul, that doesn't have any sort of home university that would come calling, and the ones that would like Iowa, if they call Brett Bielema, you hope you're at a place by the time they would where he'd say, no, I got a good thing going down here. So for all the frustrations of the last month, I mean, November 5th was when Illinois football lost to Michigan State, and a lot of the air came out of the balloon with what we thought was going to be this completely nonstop invigorating fall into winter. Now that we've been able to reset, now that I've been able to kind of look at football from afar and then also enjoy this, I don't want to say meteoric rise for basketball, but I would say earlier than scheduled ascension for this basketball team, it feels really good. And to be able to do this podcast, finally, when both revenue sports are cooking in their own way, that's a good feeling. So tonight, there's not really any notes I have. I mean, we're just going to kind of shoot the crap and, and talk about how awesome Tuesday night was and how awesome it is that in less than a month, I'm going to be down in Tampa. And I'm sure some of you will be down in Tampa too. And if so, we'll, we'll see each other around Raymond James Stadium for an Illini football bowl game. And that over the next few weeks, when it comes to football, I'm sure we'll get some exciting transfer news. And when it comes to basketball... We're entering this period now where other than Penn State and Missouri, they're just kind of chilling and and resting and getting ready for the Big Ten basketball season. So it's just good. You know, life is good. You're probably thinking, geez, Carp is really content right now. And I think content is probably the best word for it because that's how I feel. I I think that when I look back on my Illini fandom, there was one year I can probably point to as both football and basketball coalescing at the same time. And that was the fall of 2001. That was the Sugar Bowl season for Kirk Kittner and those guys. And I recall vividly the night before that team won at Ohio State. And that was, I think, Steve Belisari was the quarterback for Ohio State, but he had a DUI the night before. Regardless, the night before Illinois went to Ohio State, the basketball team opened their season against Gonzaga at home. And they beat them by 15 or something like that. Gonzaga was ranked, not the juggernaut they are now, but it was a big non-conference home win to kick things off. And for a good month there, it felt like, wow, both of these things are cooking. But really in my life, that's about the only time I could count that because the other really good basketball seasons from 2000 to 2005, there was one good football team in that stretch. This is that rare moment where you feel pretty excited about both revenue programs. This isn't even bringing up the fact that it looks like Shauna Green might be a hell of a women's basketball coach, that they are going to get votes in the AP Top 25. Now, I will not pretend to be a huge Illini women's basketball fan, but I'd like them to be successful. 
And while I was a little bit leery earlier this year when I saw that she has the system called FROG, you know, these coaches love acronyms. Um, I was a little bit leery, but come to find out, she might actually be a hell of a coach. So things are cooking. Things feel good. And I want to hear from you in the chat thread as well. So let's... Let's get to it. Now, before I get too far into this podcast, I want to start by reminding you of our sponsors, DPDO, online at dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That is dpdo.com. Get a custom zone with any toppings you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, online at dpdo.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's 841-4728. As we... Do get into cold weather. Maybe not this week. It's been mild. Next week, though, looks to start trending down. Before you know it, it's January and February, and we feel comfortable knowing our furnace is tip-top shape. Matthew, a technician from Dogtown, check that out, and he'll be back in April to check check out our AC. So I recommend you give them a call today at 841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. For all your home exterior projects, these guys are the goods. They are expert craftsmen. The customer service is second to none. And as a townie myself, there are a bunch of townies over there. They get back to Champaign-Urbana, which I appreciate, and I also appreciate their support of this podcast. So that is Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Um, we've been with Brian now for two plus years and we'll be with him for the foreseeable future. Great guy. I need to maybe hit him up because he talked about doing a a second half pod down here and, uh, I've been flying solo for those, which is fine. And you guys keep me company in the YouTube uh, live feed, but we'll see if he can't make it down here for one of these games coming up. That's Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Okay, Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them. If you haven't already, we always love the ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts. Maybe Spotify has them as well. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we are broadcasting right now for our loyal viewers at home. Okay, where to begin here? Um, What I'm probably going to do as I look at... Yeah, as I look here at the chat thread, there's more football than basketball. So I wanted to start with basketball. Before I do that, like I told the viewers before I started this podcast, kind of dealing with a cold, so just going to take a little bit of agua. I'll be having to do that periodically. Tuesday night was very unexpected. I, If you tuned into the stream... I wasn't even wearing Illini stuff, not because I was upset with the Maryland game or anything like that, but the approach that I was taking with this team <clears throat> is one of patience and recognizing that there's not much sense in getting really ticked off or upset with what this team does in November or December. When they beat UCLA, I thought, that's a coup. You got to win that... Maybe a lot of people, myself included, did not expect and a win that would help you in March. When you lost to Maryland on Friday, it felt like, darn it, that was probably the game that you had to get out of the next two. For them to rebound like they did against Texas and win that game is remarkable, but all the more remarkable is that for the first 10 minutes of that second half, you were terrible. 
And it's okay to acknowledge that. I think the team would acknowledge that themselves. What I kept harping on during that podcast was that I didn't know what the offense was. I didn't know what the rhyme or reason was. And there were way too many possessions where you weren't really doing a whole heck of a lot. I think we scored maybe four points in nine minutes, and yet somehow we're only down 10. But it felt in a way insurmountable because Texas offensively started to click, and it also felt like who's going to score for us. And then before you know it, you get some transition buckets. Uh, there was that really good, what, st- the block from Sincere that went the other way, and then the alley-oop, uh, the layup alley-oop to RJ to bring him within five, I think, at that point. And then you your, your interest is peaked, but I'm pretty sure that not long after that, Texas hit a three to go back up six or maybe even seven. And it felt like, darn it, you know, they're going to keep you at arm's length because they have too many weapons. Well, then the last minute of that game happens. You're down five with, I think, 30 seconds to go. I mean, at that point, the probability, and I, I could go look it up right now, but I'm sure the probability of winning at that point, down five, 30 seconds to go, was like 20%, if that. And then here's Jaden Epps, which I want to spend a couple minutes on him. Jaden Epps makes the three that he didn't make against Virginia and he didn't make against Maryland. But even better, you foul them as they inbound it. They miss the front end of a one and one. And I remember that moment, oh my God, oh my God, this this could happen. And Epps gets fouled, the silly foul by, was it Marcus Carr that fouled him? One of the guards. And sends him to the line. And that moment was so much fun because for the first time since the Iowa game, back in, what was it, March 7th, March 8th, when we won the Big Ten title, I had that nervous pit in my stomach. But not a bad pit in the stomach. It's the kind that you get when you're really invested in a game, really invested in a team. And I'll say for the first time this year, I, I felt that kind of emotional investment in this team. You all know I've, I've loved this team from the start. But in, in terms of really giving myself into it and allowing myself to be that emotional fan, I was going to let that process play out. Well, now I'm back in. You're down to the freshman is at the line, Madison Square Garden, Jimmy V Classic against the number two team in the country. Storybook stuff. And not only does he make both free throws, he doesn't touch iron. And then he get the stop before it's overtime. At that point, there was little doubt in my mind, oh my God, we're going to win this game. Because Texas, to me, would have been the team that was shook, and we were the team that was feeling it. Terrence Shannon Jr. takes over, but even with that, back to Jaden Epps, Texas brings it back within one. And I thought, damn it, you were up six, I think even seven. It felt like you were this close to putting it away with about three minutes to go in overtime. Now it's a one-point game. Jaden Epps, with a take to the rim, Initiates contact, does not get the foul, but it doesn't matter. He gets it off the backboard. You go back up three. The difference between a one and three point lead is just mentally speaking, as a fan, crazy. Because, you know, worst case, all right, they might tie it, but it's completely different when the scoreboard flips and now the other team's leading. That would have felt different. You get some stops, you stretch the lead, you make your free throws. You made so many free throws late in that game. But Jaden Epps is the one that, despite Matthew Meyer and the tremendous output he had, and Terrence Shannon Jr.'s takeover in overtime, the story to me is still going to be Jaden Epps. It was totally a community effort. Everybody contributed, but this freshman class, as excited as we were for them, Jaden Epps was this the quiet one, right? Ty Rogers was the Michigan State 
prototype that we got instead of Tom Izzo. And Sky Clark was the five-star that we used to see go to the likes of Kentucky all the time. And Sincere Harris was the wild card. But Jaden Epps was the one that was a four-star, I think, in most services, that was known as a bucket getter. I heard Jeremy and Derek harp on that repeatedly. But he's more than just a bucket getter. There is this intangible quality to Jaden Epps that leads me to believe, and you know I love hyperbole, leads me to believe he's the likeliest candidate for next great Illini. What I love about this kid is I feel like I'm still figuring him out. He does not give much away with his face and his expressions. He's this sort of quiet, stoic individual. The stoicism, which belies his 18-year-old age, I think he's 18, maybe 19. And what I'm also excited about, as good as he is, he is undersized. So he could be fantastic, but you aren't going to see him on many draft boards, which leads me to think you're going to get him for a considerable amount of time. The keys are his to this program. And I, I, I'll i get to Sky Clark in a minute. Don't let me forget this, because I know some people now are worried about Sky Clark because Jaden Epps is playing well. Me, less so. But that's the story to me, everybody. Jaden Epps, a special performance, crunch time. We, we saw the seeds of this. And to have that happen on December, what was it, 6th? December 6th against the number two team in the country in Massa Square Garden. Again, it's storybook. But this is someone that's already coming into his own. And he's played a grand, has he played 10 basketball games yet? What are we, seven and two? I think we played nine. <laughs> I mean, regardless, how exciting is that? Uh, I will mention real quick before I forget the Sky Clark thing that I was referencing is after the game, there are people thinking, oh, you know, what a Sky transfers. Way too early to think that. I understand that we're having kind of flashbacks to Adam Miller saying, I don't want to be, you know, second fiddle to Andre Curbelo. Crazy to think you're this good despite losing those two guys from that class. And the one you kept was Coleman Hawkins, and he's pretty damn good too. I'm I'm not so worried about that. I, I think Sky's going to be just fine. I think Sky's still going to be a star this year. I, I'm not really sure why people are as down on him as it seems if you do a quick perusal on Twitter. This is a freshman. Uh, he's uber talented. He will have games that just blow your mind. I don't think he will be as consistent as a guy like Epps because Epps has this special intangible quality that you don't get many freshmen. But Sky Clark, to me is going to be fine, and he's going to help you win, I think, a Big Ten title, and he's going to help you make the second weekend in the tournament. Now, what I really liked is yesterday, Alani Basketball put out this video. Um, I forget if it was like Everyone Matters or Everyone Counts. or It was a three-minute video, clips from the Texas win that showed everybody making an impact, and if you think about it, everybody did. Even a Sky Clark that had a bad game still had a big three. Um, trying to think about anyone else that had a bad game. RJ had a rough game until he didn't. I mean, he was huge down the stretch. To me, other than Epps, I think the secondary story here is RJ Melendez within one game showing you the things that frustrated you early this season in like the first five games. And then in the late second half overtime, showing you, oh, right, this guy can be special. So to me, Jaden Epps and RJ were the two bigger takeaways because you kind of know what Matthew Meyer can do, though that was still pretty special. And you know what Terrence Shannon can do. Well, 
Coleman Hawkins, you know, eight points, I think, so not crazy offensive output, but again, he's as rough as I was on him, and it was like two tweets, but as as rough as I was during the UCLA first half, you can't make a guy like Coleman Hawkins in a basketball factory. I mean, this guy is a freak and does things that no other player does, and he's only going to continue to grow into that role as this sort of point forward. We, we threw that term around with Scottie Pippen a lot. Isn't that kind of what Coleman Hawkins is doing? Often from you know the free throw line, top of the key, he is a point forward that's facilitating, but I'm loving the balance he's finding between being a passive facilitator and being an aggressive scorer. And that will continue to get better. I mean, the basketball IQ he has is insane. And I think just the way he's built, sometimes it looks a little... A little, not off, but a little, it gets your heart racing a little bit, right? You feel like he's just moving at turbo speed and that he might make a mistake. Well, in actuality, I think the game is slowing down for him and that he is only going to get better. And and you will see that, I think, on a week-to-week basis. All of that is to say this team is scary good. It's scary good. And the national media is paying attention to it. And what I'm, just the joy I'm having watching this team is that on any given night, three or four guys could stink. But it doesn't matter because you still have three or four more guys that can make a massive impact. You could not say that for the last three seasons, which were good, very good Illini basketball teams. You had a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And yet, if you said, which team do you prefer to make a deep run? Which one do you think is more built to make a deep run? Not to be a prisoner of the moment, but I think it's this one. They're loaded, and it's the kind of basketball team that tends to find their way into the second weekends and the final fours of this era of college basketball. What Brad Underwood has done, I love that man. In the most platonic way possible, I absolutely adore Brad Underwood. I was texting with Trevor and Isaac after the game, and that we were harping on that. You know, an anecdotal example is when he tweeted out, there was the the clip where he was absolutely despondent. His head was about to explode when they did not call, or when they did call, excuse me, the goaltend. And he poked fun at himself. I'm okay now after someone said, man, I hope coach is okay. I think it was maybe Terrence Shannon had tweeted out, I hope coach is okay after this. This guy knows how to play to the fan base. And you also see how he plays to his own team. They adore him. It's a guy that they feel like would do anything for them. And the, the meatball aspect of being a sports fan is when you start feeling that inclination to run through a brick wall, even though you're nowhere near the court or field where the game is actually being played. And Brad Underwood does that. Last year, the Ohio State game was not one of my favorite moments in that stadium. I thought things got dark. I was still letting that weight of not having won a Big Ten title. It was weighing on me massively. Thank you, Fred Hoiberg, and everything else that came into place to do that against Iowa. But when we lost to Ohio State at home and Brad Underwood got ejected, man, that didn't sit right with me. But in hindsight, as calculated as that was by him, I appreciate the showmanship. I appreciate the fact that he knows what buttons he was pushing because what happened after he got ejected? We damn near came back from like 15, 16 points down. This guy has this 
you know, sixth sense that only the great coaches do. And I don't want to get, okay, I don't want to get hyperbolic, but we got our guy. We have our guy in Brad Underwood. Last night, I was watching a little bit of that Michigan State-Penn State game. Afterwards, they had Bruce Weber in the studio, and Kara just mixed it up briefly. She said, oh, was that, I thought you liked Bruce Weber. And I said, well, eh. she's like, oh, wait, sorry, Bill Self. And I said, yeah, Bill Self to me was the guy, but I think we have our guy now. So it's, you know, calling this life as good, this episode, is also due to the fact that you have two coaches in the revenue sports that you're like, oh, yeah. He's our guy. They get it. Underwood and Bielema understand that Illinois, and even Underwood with an Illinois basketball program that is historically good, we still have this underdog chip on our shoulder because we don't have that national title. He gets it, so he plays into that. It's not contrived, I don't think. This is a guy that had to work his way up the ranks for like 30 years, far longer than most, and now that he's got this chance, just like Bielema getting a second chance here, it does feel in many ways like a perfect storm and a perfect setup for both of them. Not to get too wordy about Brad Underwood, but... Okay, so let's see here. We have some things to get to in the chat thread, and I'm going to go back towards the top. I see there was more football things here. Uh, going to start here with basketball. David asked, it was a great win for us, but how would it be ranked as a collapse for Texas? Uh, pretty big, I think, David. Uh, that, that was not at all a, a good performance by them when it mattered the most. And if you were a Texas basketball fan, and I don't know how you know into it they are down there, certainly a football school, but I, I think it would make you raise your eyebrows and wonder about toughness. What I love is that despite our flaws, this basketball team is flawed in some ways. The one thing they are not, uh, one thing that's not a question is whether or not this Illinois basketball team is tough. And to have that answered for a team this young and this early in the season, uh, that's something I couldn't have anticipated. I mean, you just don't know. You don't know what the personalities are going to look like together. And we found out between the UCLA, I'll say the Virginia, the Maryland, and the Texas games. I mean, the Maryland game, it felt hopeless. And you almost won it. I mean, when this team figures out the execution part of it, offensively, game over. We're the best team in the Big Ten. It ain't Indiana. It ain't Wisconsin. Ohio State's interesting. Iowa, pretty good. There's a lot of pretty good. But this team, when they figure it out offensively, and I think they will, holy crap. I mean, I say all this with the tough Penn State matchup coming up. Okay, so I don't want to, you know, I understand the trap game concerns that one would have before the Penn State game, but uh, I also don't want to sell this team short. So 11 a.m., sleepy start or not on Saturday, this team, I think, will be fine. But more importantly, down the stretch, they're going to be absolutely a behemoth, I think. Oh, Purdue. I know Purdue's good, but yeah, I don't know, guys. I'm buying stock in this team. Illini Brickworld did find the probability. 13% win probability with 45 seconds to go. Wow. that's That says it all. I mean, they factor in so many variables when they do this win probability thing. But you felt the same way watching it. I mean, we weren't going to turn it off because it was only a five-point deficit. 
We were going to ride it out to the bitter end, but I don't think any of us thought, oh, uh, we got this. No, it, it was a shock to make it to overtime. But once we did, I think everyone felt pretty good. All right, this is from Joseph. Um, Epps, calm, under pressure. The freshmen outside of Rodgers have all had their moments this year. <clears throat> and I can't help but think that Rodgers eventually figures it out. I am not at all worried about Rodgers, Joseph. You know, not to compare him to Serge. Serge as a freshman was okay. Ty Rogers is someone that I think, like Serge, is going to do a little bit of everything. Um, you can't teach his size. You can't teach, I think, his skill. But offensively, he looks so lost that it's just making him not the easiest play. I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. But also, I'm glad that I didn't jump the gun too early and get a Ty Rogers jersey because... I think the sincere Harris jersey might be the one I'd pick up first. Okay, uh, Big Tota. I think Rodgers will figure it out. I saw he's fourth or fifth on the team with assist. That's pretty good for limited playing time. He does seem to have a pretty high IQ, Big Tota. I think that will start to show up in the stat sheet a little bit more. Uh, this is from... Oh, another one from Joseph. Sorry, just had to get some water there. I think Epps is perfect off the bench. Gives someone that can give you points when you need it. I love the starting lineup, and I love the second unit. Let's call it Joseph, and Epps is the key guy there. So you aren't changing this. He's not going to start over Sky Clark. I don't think any, no matter what. I think he's the guy off the bench, and I like it. David says, in my mind, this I see this team as a video game, and they're progressing through the season game. They're unlocking new tools and features. Shannon and Coleman unlocked. Epps unlocked. Meyer unlocked. I like the metaphor, David. You know, I think that this team... That's an apt metaphor because you know that it's within them. It just is a matter of bringing it out. And I didn't think this early they'd have two marquee wins that showed that they can bring those things out. Okay, this is from... Oh, David asked who was unlocked next. You know, it was mentioned Ty Rogers earlier. I think Sky Clark is unlocked next. I really do. I think he's going to be fine. And Joseph says, I think Sky just needs to be more aggressive. All right, uh, let's see here if I'm missing anybody. Big Tota says, Coleman appears to be the leader of the team. I feel he's showing a lot of maturity this year. He is, Big Tota. He really is. As someone that was leery of him mid of last year, really started enjoying watching Coleman. I think that Ohio State game at home was when you saw Coleman is doing almost everything out there. The Iowa game to win the Big Ten, Coleman was fantastic. Off-season, it didn't sit well with me, an uh, off-season comment he had about, you know, well, who are they going to bring in? I understand some interpreted that as, well, are they going to recruit over me? Uh, but it, it just felt in poor taste. But then again, he is still relatively young. And I allowed that to influence how I felt about him in the UCLA first half. Pretty silly of me as the 36-year-old guy. But no, I, I Coleman's playing off the charts. Uh, he looks great. He's He's been so freaking good. Okay, Joseph asks, has Illinois basketball ever, uh, let's see here, what I, yeah, ever had two players drafted in the first round in the same year? And J Joseph, I think you're alluding to what if Coleman and Terrence Shannon both get drafted first round. Alani Brickle says Luther and Darren went in the first round, I think. And Luther was late first round. And then Brickle mentions would be 89 before that. Yep. Big Tota, I agree with you here. I impatiently wait for the locker room videos just to see Brad come in and see how animated he is. The 100th win video was so awesome to see him acknowledge what was about to happen. 
Uh, Big Toady, you're talking about the Gatorade bath that he took there. Yeah, the little finger guns that he pointed, or, you know, I see you kind of motion he gave his team. That was good. Dan says, best of seven series with this team versus 2005 team. Uh, I will avoid the comparisons, not because I'm, I'm not bullish on this team. I am, but they are so different. And even within these last 17 years, college basketball is so different. I think this team would give that team fits, but that 05 team executed better than any team we've ever seen. So I've, I've long said that when Illinois has a national champion, there's a high likelihood that team won't be as good as 05. Or I should say as well-rounded or as efficient for sure because that 05 team was just remarkably efficient. But the deficiency they had that came out against UNC in the final game and even Arizona in the Elite Eight was that if you faced really high-level athletes, as good as that Illinois team was, they were in some ways undersized and certain teams could exploit that. This Illinois team, not undersized. And what was encouraging listening to Jeremy and Derek after the game on Tuesday was looking at the stats of your big men, not just in the Texas game, but all year. You don't have a Kofi, but it really hasn't hurt you when it comes to rebounding or interior defense. So this may work out okay. All right. Uh, I think that's all I got there for basketball. It's fun, though, everybody. It's fun. All right. A few more things for football. Going to keep this relatively short tonight, maybe 40-minute podcast. Okay, so Chase Brown did not win the Doak Walker. Uh, Line I Break Girl posted that. I saw that on Twitter as well. Uh, do we know yet if Witherspoon won the Jim Thorpe Award? Now, Big Tota mentions rumors that Chase may be back next year, and I know that's kind of making the rounds, Big Tota. Hard to know uh, how legit that smoke would be. Uh, they have not announced the Thorpe Award winner yet. Hard to know how legit that could be. I know there was also some speculation after Bielema made a comment about DeVito, or there was a question that I think Jeremy asked Bielema about DeVito after the bull announcement and the efforts to get a sixth year for him, maybe seventh, I forget. I, I would not be surprised by anything. I wouldn't be surprised if DeVito and Chase Brown are right back here. And I say that with no knowledge of it, but more that it's just different now. With name image likeness, you have a cell that you didn't have before. Chase Brown at the moment is someone that would get drafted at some point. And as a running back, you do have a different calculation to make because you only have so many carries in those legs and in that body. So are you really going to lose an entire other year doing that in college? However, the sell to bring him back would be name image likeness money where he would likely make more than he would as a third string back on an NFL team. And I don't mean to slight him, but we're probably looking, he's not a starter in the NFL, at least not yet, second or third string. And we're looking at a mid to late round draft pick. So with that in mind, if there's a package attractive enough and the opportunity to come back and be Big Ten Player of the Year, win the Doak Walker, you know that Brett, uh, Brett Bielema is going to get a good line. I mean, they're talking to a kid from East Carolina to be the center next year. You know they're going to find their way to another good offensive line, maybe even better than this year. Why not? 
you know, I mean, we'll we'll let let it all play out, and I think we'll know by early January who's going and who's staying. But I like, I love how name, image, likeness seems to have coalesced with when you finally get two coaches that get it. And fortunately, both of them are not too leery about using those resources. I know Underwood isn't, and it's kind of funny to hear Jeremy and Derek very openly talk about, yeah, well, Matthew Myers here because the name, image, likeness package, and I, I'm curious how big that was. I personally love it because these players at that level should be making money anyways. So good, good for them and good for us as Illini fans because now there's no illegality to it and we have such a crazy fan base that we'll ante up. We would ante up. I mean, if there was some GoFundMe for bring Chase Brown back, I think we'd raise a lot of money pretty quick. So I w- I'm not at all going to discount that rumor. I, I think that... Um. I think it's a possibility. I think it's a possibility for some of the other guys. Johnny Newton, probably not. You know, he's he's looking at, what, a second, third-round pick maybe. I think Randolph comes back. I think Coleman comes back. This idea that you're going to lose a bunch, maybe if you weren't or did not feel as established with a head coach. I get the feeling a lot of these guys, seeing the progress they made already under a year or two with Bielema, why wouldn't you want to come back? If you can get a little bit of money as well to make it worth your while. This is from, uh, I mentioned the DeVito thing. And Joseph says, I wonder if he wants another year. That's one thing to think about. And it it seems like the DeVito buzz is going all over too. So, yeah, I think DeVito would want to come back. He's not not a pro quarterback, um, but he's pretty damn good at college. And to be able to slot in a DeVito, a quarterback next year, takes the edge off. Now, there is the concern, I think, Joseph, you mentioned this, or Big Tota, excuse me, you don't want to miss a chance at a good transfer quarterback waiting on waiver news. Of course not. I would hope that they can be fairly quick with it. Um, yeah, that's that's a juggling act, but I, I trust that Bielman would not allow this program to get hung out to dry. I mean, if you got to take someone, you got to take somebody. And I know that's a risk. Um, if DeVito were to get that year. But I do think that the transfer portal, I mean, it's open for six weeks. And if DeVito got granted that sixth year and wanted to come back, and then the guy that transferred in says, oh, never mind, I think they can transfer out. Uh, I don't want to speak to that with 100% certainty, but I, I think there is a little bit more flexibility, even maybe even if you got outside that transfer window, but I'm not 100% sure. All I know is that these moving parts actually work out pretty darn well for where you're at. What I was going to have this podcast be is a, a bull kind of extravaganza, just really focusing on Tampa. And how many of you guys in the chat thread are going to be down there? I mean, I, I will be, Karen and I are flying out of Midway on New Year's Day, getting back on the 4th and enjoying three nights out there. And I, I like the way it shakes out where the game is kind of sandwiched in between two free days in Tampa. And... Just looking at the forecast, seeing every day down there is 81 and sunny. I mean, Jesus. Being able to just take nothing but shorts and T-shirts and one pair of shoes, and that's it, man. Like just And swimsuit, of course, just to get out and soak in the sun. Got our tickets yesterday uh, for the stadium. We're about the south 15-yard line on the Illini side. I wanted to lock in tickets. Going through the DIA, you just didn't know what kind of tickets you'd get. So as much as I wanted to support the football program, I'm thinking there's enough iPhone members that will. 
But anyways, this to me is I kind of reflect on this season and yeah, the disappointment and not making it, maximizing what you could have done with it. The end result is a winnable game against the Mississippi State team that's already seen some transfers go out, including I think Dylan Thompson was running back the transfer today and in his good farewell tweet said, you know, Coach Leach didn't think I was tough enough. It's like, okay, um, not all is probably well at Mississippi State. Listen, Mike Leach is a mercurial individual. People think he's so funny. I think he's kind of a doofus. Um, he is an offensive genius, but when we start praising the eccentricities of this guy that's making six, seven million dollars a year, you can laugh at him, but he's also kind of an ass. And has a track record of being that. There was a reason he got canned at Texas Tech. And a reason he got canned at Washington State. And like a lot of these coaches, complete retread. Mississippi State knows that he wins enough games to keep their fans feeling okay. But does he scare you like a red-hot South Carolina? Or Brian Kelly at LSU? No. I think it's a great opportunity. It's an SEC school that I think you can beat. And I also consider the fact that this Illinois team, the way things went in November, they might just want it more. I think there is this sense of unfinished business, and we didn't get the Big Ten title game, so I don't know. This is our last game. We're going to make it count. We'll see who maybe doesn't play other than Witherspoon. I think everyone probably would, and I expect a, a very inspired effort. Why not, you know? So Mike Leach, uh <laughs> Not a fan, um, but also a fan that we are facing off against one of his teams. Now, famous last words, maybe. He could have his offense ready to go, and they could just torch us, but somehow I don't think that's going to be the case. All right, let's see here. We do have a few of you guys that are going out of Tampa. And Big Toda, not a Leach fan either. Lana Brickroll says, Leach had a temper tantrum on the sideline, folding chairs so players couldn't sit, and screaming obscenities. Of course he did. This guy has a track record. You know, and uh, it's so weird because when Bielema was hired, there was this unspoken, oh, well, there was baggage. And I still am trying to figure out what that baggage is. I think at Arkansas, there was a recruitment that got a little bit shady. Oh, God forbid. (laughs) When it comes to treatment of his players, I've never seen something like that about Bielema. So that, to me, resonates far more than, oh, someone got a little bit dirty on the recruiting trail. I think it had to do with an Ohio State recruit that Bielema kept recruiting after he signed. Maybe something like that, but that doesn't bother me all that much. And uh, Joseph says, it seems like most guys are playing. A little worried about Spoon not playing, especially against a guy that loves to throw. True, Joseph, but I also know that I think their top wide receiver or their number two, he opted out or transferred. So we'll see. I, I, I'm i rooting for attrition from Mississippi State. I'll be honest. I don't, I, I'll take the easiest route possible to nine wins. And it's not going to be that easy because it's an SEC school, but I will take any advantage we can get because in November, everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. I'm hoping for January, everything that can go right does go right. In December and January for this football team. All right. I I think that's all I got. I mean, I I don't know how I was going to stretch a whole podcast into 40 minutes of bull talk. I mean, listen, this is what we have this month coming up. We got more transfer portal news. We'll find out who's playing, who's not, who's going to the draft. We have, uh, let's see, Penn State on Saturday. So I plan on probably doing a podcast Sunday morning. 
Uh, I'm going to the game Saturday, so I won't do a podcast because after that, Karen and I are doing some Christmas shopping and uh, getting some good tasty food and just enjoying a, a wintry weekend. So I'm hoping Saturday is relatively uneventful that you just take care of business. Doesn't need to be a whole lot of style points. Give that first Big Ten win. And yeah, this is a good good time to be an Illini fan, hence the title, Life is Good. And I came into this podcast with not any particular notes to go over, but I, I hope that my positivity exudes out there through your speakers, through your computer monitor, however you're listening or watching to this podcast, because from the get-go, getting into sports radio and doing this podcast, the, the goal or the hope, I should say, was always to be able to cover things when they were good. And we're at that point, and I'm not taking any of it for granted. I'm enjoying every bit of it. So I, I hope you are too, and and thank you all for tuning in and watching. I'm going to get out of here because you could probably tell my nose is starting to fill up a little bit. This darn cold, pesky, but it's in it's on the way out, so that's the good news. Uh, I want to thank DP Doe. I'm on at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. For all your home exterior needs, RectorConstruction.com. For Lana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate it. Appreciate you, YouTube viewers. Thanks for tuning in on a Thursday evening. Going to go watch a holiday movie upstairs, have some popcorn, chill with the dog. Uh, this time of year is great. It will be 100% great for a few things. Beat Penn State, beat Missouri, and keep a lot of guys for football and maybe bring some in. And I think all those things are going to happen. So have a great rest of your night. Uh, we will see you probably Sunday for a recap of the Penn State game, which I hope is nice and boring on Saturday morning. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, avoid this pesky cold like I have, and we'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level.